Good afternoon, podcast land, and happy Tuesday. Welcome to episode 60 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your host, Gabe, and thank you for listening. In this episode, you will hear my NBA takes. My San Francisco 49ers made a big move to move from the number 12 overall pick in this year's NFL draft to the number 3 pick. So what this means for the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch era in San Francisco and for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I will close with a recap of UFC 260 and Francis Nogato's victory to become the heavyweight champion of the world. And are we in the midst of a super fight between Naganu and John Jones coming up on the other side? And now, without further ado, let's get right into it. I'm going to start my opening take in the NBA. I'm going to start off with my team, the Los Angeles Lakers. Right now, they're in fourth place in the Western Conference. Before winning two in a row against weak competition, they had lost four in a row after LeBron went down with a high ankle sprain against the Atlanta Hawks a couple of weeks back. Now, they had a chance to make a move during the trade deadline, but it was not made. Analysts were scratching their head, thinking, why didn't the Lakers make no moves? They had a chance to get Kyle Lowry from the Toronto Raptors. But Toronto wanted too much, and the Lakers were not willing to give up. Their bench player, Talyn Horton Tucker, who's been a nice little spark off the bench, I must say. Actually, I'm kind of glad they didn't make this move. Now, I like Kyle Lowry. I think he's a good player. But they don't need any more guards. Guard play is not the problem. I mean, you got Schroeder, who's a nice two-guard. You mean, you got Cotavius Colwell-Pope, who's a good shooter. You got Alex Caruso coming off the bench. So, all Kyle Lowry would just bring is just another shooting guard. They don't need that. But the Lakers waited patiently and got their man. They signed Andrew Drummond, who was bought out by his old team, the Detroit Pistons. This is what the Lakers really needed. A versatile big man. He averages 18 points a game and 14 rebounds a game. I mean, Marcus has been inconsistent. Montrez Harold has been okay. But they need a guy who can give them a nice defensive presence and some points and rebounds. Now wait till LeBron James and Anthony Davis return to the lineup. The Lakers are going to have a strong front line. And I think their defense is going to get back to its top 10 status it was before the injuries. So right now the Lakers are in fourth place in the Western Conference by quoting The Rock it doesn't matter what position they're in right now just wait for the playoffs because LeBron has not lost a series prior to going to the finals in over a decade so enjoy your status now NBA because my Lakers are coming very soon to a court near you 
Now let's talk about that other team in Los Angeles, the Clippers. The Clippers have won six in a row, but I want to focus on the trade that they made at the trade deadline. They traded for Rajon Rondo and traded one of their staples, Lou Williams. Now when asked about this, Ty Lu basically said, Rondo brings leadership. Okay. Now you have to ask yourself, you have two of the best players in the NBA on your team in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but yet you had to go outside for leadership? Hmm. That makes me think that the Clippers and Ty Lue were saying that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are not leaders. They're just players. Good players, but not good leaders. Well, I don't know if this, I'm, I don't think this makes them much better. I mean, they're already good already. But as I said before, and I'm going to keep saying it, the Clippers will only be judged by what they do in the playoffs. So adding Rondo doesn't change that. So if they get bounced out of the playoffs or don't even get to the championship, it's just going to be another disappointment. And the Clippers organization have to start wondering if they can go forward with this type of team. Now for the Nets Index, as I like to call it, here on Sports Takes Galore Podcast. A week after adding Blake Griffin to their team, they decide to add LaMarcus Aldridge to their team as well after he was bought out by the San Antonio Spurs. I, be- I believe Twitter got it right when they said they're all trying to gang up to stop the king, LeBron James. It's obvious they don't. the Nets don't think they have enough with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving to take down the king. Now, I'm not saying these are not good additions. I mean, but still, you're getting guys who are no longer relevant anymore. I mean, Blake Griffin is a shell of himself from Lob City. LaMarcus Aldridge, he's a shell of himself from the Portland days when he was teamed up with Dame Lillard. I mean, San Antonio, you didn't hear much from him. So, but of course, the Nets are going to be judged by winning the title. And if they do not win the title, that's the end of this team as we know it. And it will look very bad for first-year head coach Steve Nash. Now for the Miami Heat. Prior to winning last night's game against the Knicks, they have lost six in a row. I mean, they've had some really bad luck this year. Injuries, COVID-19. I mean, it's been hard for the Miami Heat to find a rhythm. But they did add a nice addition to their team, Victor Aladapo from the Indiana Pacers. I mean, you're getting a guy who averages 21 points a game this season. And team him up with Jimmy Butler and those role players that they have. I'm, I'm, I'm still sticking to what I said about the Miami Heat. They are, this is one of the most dangerous teams in the Eastern Conference. 
even if Philadelphia or the Nets come out the East as number one, and if the Miami Heat were to somehow stay in the number eight spot, it's not guaranteed that the Brooklyn Nets or the Philadelphia 76ers are going to beat this team soundly. In fact, they may have to, it may take them seven games to eliminate the Heat or be eliminated by the Heat. So, I'm, all I'm going to say is nobody wants to see the Heat. So, the Eastern Conference, whoever they play in the first round, better make sure they bring their A game and be ready to play. Now, the Knicks are in fifth place in the Eastern Conference. They've won four of the last six games. Now, this is good for the NBA, I believe. I mean, the Knicks have been one of the teams that helped made the NBA. So when the Knicks are good, that's good for the NBA. And, of course, it's good for the long-suffering fans, including my boy from the um, Bleed Blue podcast, Steve Azel. So, it'll be interesting to see what the Knicks do if they're able to hang on and get in the playoffs. Of course, it's not going to be much, and nobody's going to expect them to. I mean, as long as they can, you know, go five or six games in a series, I believe that's a good accomplishment and something they can take going forward. Now for the Phoenix Suns. They've won five of the last six games, but I think we need to give Chris Paul some MVP talk. Now, I'm not saying he should be the MVP, but he at least should be in the conversation. I mean, he came there... And the Suns' fortunes have turned. I mean, Devin, him and Devin Booker have made a nice one-two punch at the guard position. And they're in second place in the Western Conference. Of course, I'm not saying they're going to be formidable. I mean, I still think they're most either a first or second round exit. But the fact that Chris Paul came there and boom, this team is in second place, I think should give Chris Paul some MVP love. I mean, and this is a guy who's almost at the tail end of his career. And he's, dra- and he's bringing this young team along very nicely. And finally, I'm going to close my NBA take with the Utah Jazz. They've won six in a row. Got to give kudos to Devin Mitchell, Rudy Gobbard, Mike Conley, and that whole coaching staff putting a nice little team together. But I'm just going to say this. I'm going to judge them in the same way I judge the Los Angeles Clippers. What they do in the playoffs is going to matter. Because let's be honest. Last year in the bubble, they were out in the first round. So, it's because they're a nice regular season sensation right now means nothing so they get in the playoffs and get put out again then you know their season was a waste now let's move on to the NFL and as I said in previous um, episodes the offseason never seems to disappoint I want to talk about a move that was made by my team the San Francisco 49ers. What I believe 
is a move to define the legacy of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's time in San Francisco. The Niners held the 12th overall pick in this year's NFL draft. They decided to trade that number 12 pick along with a 2022 and a 2023 first round pick and a conditional third round pick in 2022 to the Dolphins to move up to number three overall in this year's NFL draft. Now, here are my thoughts. This was clearly a regime-defying move. You're going in year five of the Kyle Shanahan and a John Lynch era in Santa Clara. They know that they need a quarterback. Now, I've, all, I've been a big supporter of Jimmy Garoppolo and still am. But you have to face the fact that two of the last three seasons, he's been injured. So I think the Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch looked at this and, and think, hey, you know, last year, injuries slowed us down, especially the quarterback position, and it's hard to win consistently if you don't have a quarterback that can't stay healthy. Now, during the press conference yesterday, Kyle and John reiterated that Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback for 2021, and all they're doing is draft a quarterback to sit behind him and learn. Basically, they're taking the same approach that the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. They, brought, they, they, they drafted Patrick Mahomes, he sat for a year, and he took over in year two. Or maybe similar to what the Green Bay Packers did with Aaron Rodgers. He sat for three seasons behind Brett Favre before he took over. But either way, they had to make this move. And looking at the quarterbacks out there, outside of Trevor Lawrence, I believe these other quarterbacks like Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, they all need to sit for for a year. I would even argue a couple of them need to sit for two seasons before they take over any team that gets drafted. Now, for, for me, I'm just gonna get I'm just gonna put it out there. The guy I hope the Niners pick is Justin Fields. Now, yeah, Justin Fields has some issues. That's why I say it's good he sits for a year or so and learn behind. But I think he has. What it, t- what it takes to succeed in Kyle Shanahan's offense. The simple fact is, I I don't I believe that the reason that Kyle Shanahan passed up on Patrick Mahomes and Sean Watson is I believe he's still scarred by RG3. He's scarred by RG3 because of the fact that he got he got he got hurt being, being mobile. But times have changed. The mobile quarterback is where it's at in the future in the NFL. I mean, they also got to look at the division. Two of the three teams in that division have mobile quarterbacks. Seattle has Russell Wilson, 
Arizona has Kyler Murray. You know, Matthew Stafford is not a mobile quarterback. He's he's a pocket passer. But the reason I believe Justin Fields is the best fit because he can move. I mean, this guy has a great deep ball. Now, I admit he does have issues seeing the field, but that can be corrected. Of course, they got the Niners um, with um, Lance, Trey Lance, and even Zach Wilson and or Matt Jones. I'm sorry, but Trey Lance, for me, he needs two seasons to sit. I mean, if, if, the, if the 49ers go in this direction, they better keep Jimmy for two more seasons, as far as I'm concerned. If they go with, if they go with Zach Wilson, I'd say the same thing. He needs to sit for two seasons, too. I'm sorry, but this guy's a one-hit wonder. I mean, there's, I mean, there's not a lot on tape to make you think that he could excel in Kyle Shanahan's offense, in my view. As far as Matt Jones go, I think basically you're getting Jimmy Garoppolo 2.0. Yeah, I said it. Because he's not he, he doesn't move around. And isn't part of the reason why Jimmy got hurt is because he's not a mobile quarterback. Now, I get mobile quarterbacks get hurt too, no doubt. I mean, not saying Matt Jones is not going to be a good quarterback, but I don't see Matt Jones as a starting quarterback, to be honest with you. I basically see him as a career backup. I mean, yeah, he had a lot of good players on his team. He was surrounded by Alabama. I mean... He got two receivers that are going to go in the first round. I mean, he has a nice little running back in Najee Harris. But remember, he got beat out by Tua and Jalen Hurts at Alabama. So, I don't. I really, as a, as a Niners fan, I mean, not everybody's going to agree with me, and that's fine. We're going to agree to disagree. That Mac Jones is not a sexy or excitable um, prospect. I mean, now they pick Trey Lance and they pick Zach Wilson. I, I won't be too I won't be too excited about that, but I can tolerate it. I just believe Justin Fields is the best fit because I believe his upside is a lot greater. Now I'm gonna close with UFC. This past Saturday, we saw a new champion was crowned in the UFC heavyweight division, and his name is Francis the Predator Naganu. Naganu knocked out the champion Stipe in the second round, and I mean it was a vicious knockout. I mean he he hit him, he hit the ground. And, his, and of course, Stipe's leg broke and bent back. So I assume that's broken. That'd look ugly. And the fight was stopped in the second round. Now, this, now it was like night and day from the first time these two men fought. As Stipe basically dominated Nagano with his wrestling. Basically wore Nagano out. And won a decision in the fifth round. Now, when this fight happened in the first round, I mean, Stipe did try a takedown, and Ogata was able to um, 
block it. And I believe that right there set the tone. Because I was talking to one of my best friends about this fight. And one of the things we agree was Nagano needs to make sure that he's able to stop the takedowns. And he even and he even said it, my friend, that if Nogano gets one good shot, Stipe would be sleeping. Well, he didn't put him to sleep exa- exactly, but he put him down to the point where he hit, the, he hit the ground, he got one shot in, and Herb Dean had to stop it. So congratulations to Francis, the Predator, Nagano, on avenging his earlier loss to Stipe and becoming the heavyweight champion of the world. But now, all the talk is buzzing about a possible heavyweight title super fight. That's right. Francis Nogato versus the best pound for pound fighter in UFC, John Bones Jones. But of course, this would be John Jones's first fight as a heavyweight if this fight were to occur. Now, of course, you add some people are skeptical and thinking John Jones is afraid to fight Nagano. Even had Dana White being skeptical about it. But John Jones said, Show me the money and let's get it on. Now, this is the one thing I can say about UFC, and that's why Dave jumped over boxing. Dana White will give the fans what they want. Now, even though he's expressed some skepticism that John Jones really want this fight, he knows there's some dollar signs if he makes this fight happen. He knows all of us UFC fans want to see this fight. Trust me, I'll be wherever I need to be when it, if this fight were to occur. I mean, the only, the only thing I'd be concerned about, because John Jones is actually my favorite UFC fighter. That is he going to be able to handle all that weight as a heavyweight? I mean, John Jones is definitely... A good striker. And he's also a good wrestler. I think that's one advantage that he that he would have. And that's the one thing, of course, Nagato does need to work on. Because if he becomes a good wrestler, Nagato will probably be the scariest fighter in UFC history. If he can work with his wrestling. So that's one thing I think John Jones would have an advantage over Nagato. But can he, but with all that weight, will he be able to move around the same way he did as a light heavyweight? That would be my question. But come on, Dana. John Jones said, show him the money. Let's make the fight happen. So, and you're known for giving us the fans we want. So don't let, don't let us, don't let us down now. Let's see this fight. I'm going to end on this note also in UFC. 
It looks like we're going to have a trilogy. As Dennis Pointier and Conor McGregor looks to be signing a contract to fight for a third time. Of course, McGregor won the first fight in the second round pretty easily. And the second time around, Dennis Poitier dominated McGregor, basically killed him with those um, leg kicks, and then finally knocked him out for the first time in his career. So why not? Let's see it. If this fight occurs, it's going to happen in July. Oh, what a great, what a great fight for the summer. So kudos to UFC for giving us fans what we want. I mean, who doesn't want to see a third fight to see who was, who is the better fighter out of McGregor and Pointier? And I believe we're going to see that super fight that we're all calling for with Francis Nagato and John Jones. So stay tuned. Now this will conclude this will conclude episode 60 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your host Gabe. Thank you again for listening and thank you for downloading. I appreciate it. You can, you can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13. I'd like to thank you everybody again for listening and downloading. Have a wonderful afternoon, and I'll talk to you again this week. Bye-bye. Good afternoon and happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to episode 61 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your host, Gabe, and thank you for listening. In this episode, I'll do a recap of last night's NCAA National Championship game in college basketball between Baylor and Gonzaga, and you will hear my NBA takes on what's going on in the NBA, and I will close with my thoughts on Sam Donald being traded to the Carolina Panthers, coming up on the other side.